I invite you to have a seat. This summer, we're going to embark on a new journey of looking at Old Testament heroes and how ordinary people uh, are meant for an extraordinary purpose. And so, for the rest of the summer, we're going to be looking at different individuals from the Bible, especially the Old Testament, and just gaining insight from their story on how God used them in extraordinary ways. And so we begin looking at Moses. Now, I know most of you know the story of Moses and know it probably fairly well, but some may not. And so we're going to recap it just a little bit. And so if you don't know the story of Moses, his life story kind of takes place in the book of Exodus. And it's split into these 40-year chunks. The first 40 years, we see him as a baby getting floated down the Nile River in a basket, and uh, Pharaoh's daughter grabbing that basket, and his sister uh, waiting in the weeds to help, help him out. And so he gets to live with his family while he grows up, and then later goes back into the house of Pharaoh. The end of that 40-year segment of his life ends with him murdering an Egyptian. And as he does that, a few days later, some Israelites, some of his own people, uh, see him, and he gets kind of upset, and they're trying to quarrel, and, and they say, what are you going to do, kill us now? And so he understands that in his juxtaposition, in the two positions he has of living in Pharaoh's house, but being an Israelite, there's a, a problem now. And so he runs away. He runs away and gets married, and uh, he lives with his father-in-law, Jethro, and helps ten sheep. And that 40-year period of his life ends where our story today picks up, where, G- or where um, God comes and speaks to him in a burning bush. Now, the, the thing about Moses' story is that from the very beginning— He's not alone. He has a team of people who are there to support and encourage him along the way. And that's what I want to kind of speak into this morning a little bit. And for me, as I think about that, um, oh, I'm sorry. This, uh, some of you will know these graphics, right? So if you want to know the story of Moses and Exodus, um, if, it's, if you're not familiar with it, uh, the Bible Project puts out these great videos that help us kind of gain an understanding of the main themes and the flow of the different books of the Bible. And so it's within that context that we see these 40-year segments, and we see all the teamwork that happens throughout Moses' life. And so uh, one of the things growing up that I uh, was able to watch and, and see come to life was uh, the NBA teams of the 90s, right? And so if you know those teams, you know that the Bulls had Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen and Dennis Rodman, and they were a force to be reckoned with, right? And here's a, a quote that caught me from their coach. Uh, Phil Jackson, 
The strength of a team is each individual member, and the strength of each member is the team. The idea that you're not alone, and together we have a strength to hold each other up and to support each other, is a key throughout the life of Moses, but also throughout the whole Bible. We see that taking place. Three things that really stand out. When we look at the teams around Moses, the teams around other people in the Bible, and the teams around us as the church are, one, it's covered in grace, right? No matter what we do or how we see life, we know that there's this gift that's been given to us. And Moses begins to see that as he sees God and begins to speak with him out of this burning bush, we see that support comes in that team. For Moses, at times, it's actually having people lift up his hands. Uh, but we'll get there in a minute. And the other thing we see is encouragement. Because oftentimes when we try to do things on our own and we stumble and we fall, if we don't have the people around us to support and encourage us, that fall can go very far. And so having a team around us is an important thing for life. And so let's take a look at Moses' life and see how this plays out for him and how it plays out for us as well. We see Moses beginning to understand that, that God has a special purpose for him because God comes to him in a very unique way. And it's a, a bush that's on fire, but it's not consumed. It's not charred. It's just there. It's a unique thing. And in that, we see Moses approaching it. And God, noticing what Moses is doing, just calls to him, Moses, Moses. And Moses' reply is, is probably something that you and I may not have said. And here I am, right? Here I am. I don't know about you, but I do know um, that if a bush was talking to me, my first response may not be, here I am. It, it might be something else, or it might be to turn and run. Now, I'm, I would be in, in Moses's kind of middle section of his life, not in the back uh, third, right? But how many of you are 80, right? In our last service, we had a few people. I don't think anyone here is quite there, but you can imagine if you're 80 years old and you're seeing this brand new experience that it would shake you a little bit, right? Uh, he's not a young guy at this point. And as he approaches the bush, it's God speaking to him. He realizes he's on holy ground. Throughout Moses' life, he has people in his corner and in his side, but now he has God speaking directly to him and asking him to do something that could end his life. He's, God is asking him to go before Pharaoh, who is the ruler of like this great nation. If you go to Pharaoh and he doesn't like what you say, that could be it for you. 
And here it is. Moses is being asked to go in front of him and ask to free his people. That's probably something Moses doesn't want to hear, or that Pharaoh does not want to hear. And so there's this element of fear in Moses' replies. This is not going to be a simple task. And Moses begins to back out of the story, right? In chapter 4, we see him even just say that. Pardon your servant. Hey, God. It's not me, right? Please send someone else. It's not me. Moses, at that point, needed someone on his team. He had God on his team, yes. And God was going to instruct his way and be with him as he went. But he needed some support and encouragement from where he was at. And so God says, well, fine, fine, Moses. Let's bring in your brother. Let's take him into the team. And so Moses and Aaron go before Pharaoh. They go before the ruler of this great nation and begin to speak the words of God to Pharaoh to let the Israelites go on their way. And we know that that story consists of 10 plagues that come. 10 things that happened to the Egyptian people that the Israelites were saved from for the most part. And it culminates, it culminates in the Passover. The Passover is where the angel of death passes over the whole uh, Egyptian uh, nation as well as the Israelites. But the Israelites are saved from that uh, grief of death of all the firstborn kids because God has instructed them in a way that they would know that he would know that they are his people. And so as we see this picture unfolding, we see how Aaron and Moses work together to get God's people out of the land of Egypt and on their way to the promised land. Time and time again, we see that the people around Moses help him out. They help him out in different ways. Sometimes that's lifting up his hands so that the Israelites can win a a battle that's going on. Sometimes that is helping him as they cross over a sea on dry ground. But time and time again, we don't see Moses just on his own. We see him with people around him. Number one, with God, because God continues to speak to Moses. He gets them out of Egypt. He follows them in a cloud of fire and a cloud of smoke. And then he meets Moses on a mountain to give him the Ten Commandments. And from there, he continues to speak with Moses. And Moses isn't always a team player. We saw that uh, in his early life as he kills the Egyptian. But he's also sometimes feels like he's on his own. 
as he comes down the mountain with the Ten Commandments and gets mad and, and breaks them, right? Or he doesn't quite listen to the people around him at times. And so instead of uh, speaking to a rock to get water out for the people, he strikes it. And in that small little disobedient way, he loses the opportunity to go into the promised land that he's leading people to. And so Moses, we see as a team player, but at times he thinks he can do it on his own. And he can, he can create the way just on his own. But time and time again, he has people around him that say, well, no, you, you need help. And one of those people is his father-in-law, Jethro. And how many of us would like to go to someone that we know and tell them these words? What you're doing is not good. What you're doing is not good. Right? We have bosses. We have family members. We have students. We have teachers. We have people in our lives who we'd like to say this to. But we may not be on their team in that way. Or maybe you are. Maybe people need to speak it into your life as well. But thankfully, Moses had someone on his team who was able to speak the truth out of love and tell him, what you're doing isn't good. You are being a micromanager. You're having your fingers in all the different things, and it's shortening your life. You don't have the time or the energy to have your hands in everything. You need a greater team around you, and you need to delegate. You need to equip. You need to support and encourage so that they can be sent out on their way. And in this, there's this now a, a, a setup for the people of God to manage how they do life together. And whether that's as a nation as a whole, or as tribes, or as family groups, or even just as extended family, there's now a way forward because Moses is able to find the right people, support and encourage them as they form their teams, and God's able to use that as they go forward into the next chapter. As they go forward into this new land, this promised land, and they make a life for themselves. And that life eventually, eventually comes to Jesus, right? In all of this that Moses has going on, we see that God comes to him and is with him through all of it. And his story points us forward to God coming to us. And God comes to us in the form of Jesus. And so we know that just as Moses had God on his team, and no matter what he did, he, he never, God never left him. God never got, got so mad at Moses that he just dropped his story like a bad habit and walked out. But no matter what Moses did and the people did, God was always there for them. We have that as well, right? No matter what we do, no matter what, where we go, we're never too far for God to come to us.
And we know that his love and his forgiveness bring us a hope for tomorrow. And so as we look at that, maybe we'll go to the next slide. We see that in the story of Moses, that the team that was around Moses, starting with God, but also connecting with his brother, with his sister Miriam, with Jethro, his father-in-law, and so many other people around him. He was able to stay the course. He was able to remember his purpose, his purpose of leading God's people, but, but also being the spokesperson of God. That he was able to take that role on and keep on keeping on because of the people around him. Covered in grace, he found that support and encouragement that could help him continue on. And so my question for you today is this. Who helps you stay the course? Who helps you stay the course? Now, I know that we're in church, and so the answer is Jesus, right? We, we've got that. We've got that, that grace that we are all covered in. But who else is on your team to help support and encourage you? I want you to take a minute, take a minute, and just think about who it is that's on your team. And here's the challenge. Sometime this week, take a few moments and write a thank you note to the people that came to mind for you that are on your team. Take a moment and lift them up in prayer to God of thanksgiving, but also let them know how thankful you are that they're there for you. That they're there to help support and encourage you. The other thing about being a part of a team that supports and encourages is knowing that that you're not alone in that team. And we as a church are a creedal church for that reason. We speak the creeds together on a Sunday, Saturday night or Sunday morning because we know that the creeds that we speak, the Apostles' Creed and the Nicene Creed, help us understand that we are a part of a a larger story. We're a part of the family of God that extends beyond the walls of the church. And it extends beyond this time and space. And so today we speak the words of the Apostles' Creed. And this is a creed that came together in the first century as the church is beginning to form. So that as it was forming, people would know you're not alone. You got a a group of people around you to support and encourage you who know that they are covered in grace so that they can show you grace as well. And so in the simple form of trying to explain what faith is, the way, which is the early church in the book of Acts, began to, to say some words together to help them understand that no matter what 
city they were in, they were in this together. And eventually, those words came together as the creed, as the Apostles' Creed. Now, we speak it in English. They would have said it in Greek. But overall, we know that the words are there. And it connects us into the lives of the saints that have gone before us. And it continues to connect us into the lives of the saints that will go ahead of us. And so, as we stand now and join together in the Apostles' Creed, you can stand. Go ahead. We know that this is a part of our story, and it's a part of our team to say this together. And so, we join together in the Apostles' Creed. <clears throat> 